Live from the home office of Ag Solutions Network, it's the Ag Emerge Podcast. We're here to move the ag paradigm forward by helping you regenerate your soils using new ideas, research, and emerging technologies. Get ready to improve your soil, your crops, your livestock, and your family's livelihood. I'm Kim Sheese. And I'm Monty Bottoms. And we're your hosts. Thanks for joining us. Welcome back to the Ag Emerge Podcast with Dr. James White. Last episode, we learned from Dr. White about the process that he identified in order to know what's going on in the root tip and the root surface and how root hairs behave and and those kind of things. Absolutely fascinating. Really sheds more light on what's going on below the soil. It's It's a fascinating frontier. This episode, we're going to talk more about what the implications and the applications of this knowledge is. So I hope that uh, you'll listen closely to what Dr. White has to say and, and really think about what all of these applications are. It might help to explain some of the things that we've seen with uh, virulent diseases that sweep across the corn belt in, in short amounts of time, such as tar spot or um, Goss's wilt. It might also help to explain some of the things we see in produce from fusarium wilt or fusarium wilt in cotton and how these type of uh, systems are being altered by what we're doing chemically and biologically to the soil. So just kind of keep those things in mind as you're listening here about just what the greater applications are. And when we finish up with Dr. White, I'll be back and we'll talk a little bit more about some of the offline discussion that we had that you're going to find very interesting. So enjoy today's episode, part two of Dr. James White. So this is, this is pretty fascinating to think that um, it, it really changes looking at the microbes going out, getting the work, uh, doing the work, attaching nutrients and, and uh, uh, cofactors that the plant may need, uh, and then it's being absorbed through the root tip and, and those kind of things. Can share a little bit, or, or wh- what do you see as far as other than at the, at the root tip and the root system with root hairs, these protoplasts now are inside of the plant. Um, where else do they go within the plant? And, and let's talk a little bit about the plant microbiome on a whole, uh, you know, above and below ground. What, what, what are some of those things that, that maybe you've observed through uh, research in this? So, so that's, that's very important. Um, so these microbes, they're entering plant tissues at the meristem tips. So they're entering at the root meristem, and then they're going into the rhizophagy cycle and participating there. But some of these also go into the shoot meristem. And uh, we can see them actually in the young leaves, developing leaves. We've done experiments with the various kinds of plants. And we can see them in that, those meristematic tissues. Uh, for example, one, one plant we looked at is van- van- uh, the vanilla orchid, which is a vine. Uh, and we have uh, microbes colonizing the shoot meristem, which where the leaves are formed. Those tissues also are soft. What happens in those tissues is those tissues will develop, and as they develop, the microbes will fully mature and go dormant, actually, in those aerial parts of tissues. Now, in other plants, like grasses, for example, uh, you have the same thing happening. You have microbes that are that are fungi and microbes that are bacteria 
that will colonize, internally colonize the tissues and the cells of those plants. They, 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 some of them will go dormant at some point as the tissues age. Some of them may not. It depends on the system. We can see them there. Now, here's, here's one important issue, and that is it's easier for us to, using the techniques that we use uh, to see microbes in roots, than it is for us to see the microbes in the shoot tissues. And part of that is because the shoot tissues have wax on them. And so our stains won't penetrate through that wax and we can't see the microbes as readily inside the shoot tissue. We can see them without stain, just looking at there, looking at the tissue microscopically, we can see them in there. Uh, but our the stains we use go into roots because there's no waxes on the roots and, and we can then we can readily track the microbes. So it's a little more difficult for us to track the microbes in the leaves. But they definitely are there. And what what are they doing there? Um, they are uh, likely not participating in a nutrient cycle, you know, because they can't go into the soil and so forth and carry nutrients. But they may be affecting the plant in terms of its oxidative resistance, for example, uh, what happens because it's an oxidative process, the plants will secrete reactive oxygen and it causes the plants actually to produce more antioxidants. And so the plants then become oxidative, oxidative stress tolerant, right? More tolerant to stress, to all kinds of stress because these microbes are there because they have to, in a sense, toughen up with those microbes in there. And so they become tougher plants and more resistant to uh, heat, for example, or low moisture, low water conditions, or disease, other microbes coming in, pathogens coming in, uh, they're just tougher, oxidatively stress tolerant. Um, so they're, you know, they're things, they're, they're benefiting the plant, but, it, but all the ways they're benefiting the plant, we, we don't really know. And we don't know if some microbes are better than other microbes. Well, um, despite that, the more we learn, uh, it seems like the less we know. Uh, <laughs> it seems like that's that's somewhat applicable here. Uh, I, I want to drill down a little bit in, in what you were just, just at, talking about there. Uh, the okay. microbes that are um, being propagated at the meristematic regions of the shoots. So this would be um, fancy... To, for for a farmer, I would think of that as a leaf, a new leaf growth region, or a new yeah, shoot growth sure. region, and those kind of things. Are those um, protoplasts that were acquired at the root tip and being transported up and exuded there, or are those um, uh, uh, fungi and bacteria that are being acquired from aerial, what's landing on the plant and being absorbed at the plant leaf surface and propagated and uh, exuded? So that's that's a really good question. Uh, there are there are microbes that colonize. Say, for example, a, a grass seed germinates. You get the shoot coming out. You got the root coming out. Microbes from the seed coat will actually colonize both the leaves, new leaves area, and the new root tip. So those microbes will grow as the as the tissue, as the plant grows, you know, that, that new leaf area will have the same microbes on it. But there also is uh, the phenomenon where 
microbes can move through the plant. And uh, I recall a paper, uh, uh, believe it was out of Austria, and uh, the precise investigators I don't recall, uh, but uh, they actually studied uh, grapes. And what they did was they, they put a labeled, they labeled uh, a yeast, you know, that colonizes grapes, grapevines. They labeled it with green fluorescent protein so they could see it, track a marker, write a stain, and then they stuck it down on the roots. And then in a matter of days, they could detect that yeast up in the shoot tissue. You know, so in, obviously in that case, that, that shows that at least some of these microbes are capable of going from the root, maybe even the plant fishing some microbes out of the soil and then moving those microbes up through the plant. So that also occurs, you know, but obviously I didn't cite many, many examples of it because people haven't looked at that very much. I mean, this is where we really, this kind of work is really in its infancy. Fascinating. I, um, a couple, couple things finally that, that come to mind here. One is we know that, you know, beneficial and pathogenic microbes uh, typically exist somewhat ubiquitously, you know, everywhere. It's just in kind of different, different levels, different virulence and, and those kind of things based on environment and the host. Do a lot of these, you know, uh, diseases that we're seeing today, we had, um, you know, a disease have been somewhat isolated to western Nebraska in, in corn, um, uh, all of a sudden blew up across the entire corn belt in the last two years. And then this year, the bomb cyclone is being blamed on some a tar spot in corn that has now gone across the entire uh, Midwest. You know, some of these diseases that were in the past somewhat benign seem like they, they come out of nowhere, and bacterial wilt is now we it's in all the seed corn uh, literature, you know, oh, good for bacterial wilt. Um, it sounds like to me, first off, uh, and, and maybe this is an overgeneralization, the plant's really in control of a lot of things here. It's not just sitting there doing nothing. It, it's telling microbes what to do and where to go and what it needs, uh, which is pretty fascinating. So as a farmer, we have a responsibility for recognizing that and employing management practices that enable the plant to do what it's designed to do. And is either through uh, technologies that we're selecting or materials that we're using, are we as, as farmers inadvertently potentially shutting down some of these communication mechanisms and some of these decision-making mechanisms within the plant in order to be able to self-defend itself from some of these diseases that have been around forever but haven't only become virulent until recently? I, I, I really think we are. Uh, and I'll expand on that. Uh, but first, I want to tell you about an experiment. Uh, this was done by some German investigators using uh, wild uh, wild tobacco they were cultivating uh, out in, in uh, Utah, I think it was. And they, they took this wild tobacco, they put it in cultivation year after year. It was an annual. So they started cultivating it. And in about seven years they started to see a wilt disease due to some fungi and uh, then they went back to their original plants and they started to isolate the microbes off and put them back onto this uh, wild tobacco seed and they found that they could put those microbes back on and the wilt disease 
disappeared. Okay, so what happened there is this experiment that they did on, this was uh, bringing cultivate plants into cultivation. They lost their beneficial microbes, you know, doing whatever they were doing, collecting their seed, you know, instead of letting the seed stay in the soil, collecting their seed, putting it in the barn, put it in the refrigerator, wherever they put it, I don't know where they were put it, drying it out, treating it maybe with fungicides, they don't know exactly what they were doing. But that cultivation experiment caused them to lose the microbes that were really essential to that plant staying disease-free. Okay, so okay now modern corn production, for example, uh, causes us or in the process, because we had no concept, you know, that these microbes were important, right? So we have our idea that we're going to improve these plants, and we do improve the plants. We make modern hybrids. We grow them in tissue culture where all the microbes are killed. Uh, and then we take those microbes, we take those plants, and we put them in soils where we may also be controlling beneficial microbes. We may be deep turning, for example, uh, soils, and so we kill all the microbes and many of the microbes that are in that soil. Certainly the living layer is turned over so that we have, you know, less uh, living microbes in that topsoil then because we've turned it. Um, and, and then we put our seeds that are really clean of microbes. And if you look at these seed, corn seeds, microscopic, hybrid corn microscopically, you know, we can show that there's not many microbes in there in vectoring in the seed. Whereas if we look at like flint corn, some primitive corn, we can see the microbes still in there. Okay, so we put our modern varieties there and we shouldn't be surprised that they get attacked by disease organisms because we've cleaned them of all beneficial and protective microbes. And not only that, the seed microbes aren't there so they also now are dependent on us squirting inorganic nitrogen onto those crops in order to cultivate them because they can't, they don't have the microbes that can be involved in the rhizophagy cycle. We also don't have a healthy community out there. If we did recruit some microbes, and I'm certainly some microbes are recruited, but the soils are depauperate of, or they lack you know, a healthy community of microbes where rhizophagy microbes could actually go out and steal nutrients from those other microbes in the community, right? So, so you have a, you really have a situation where it's, it's, we are, um, you know, very vulnerable. These plants are very vulnerable to diseases because they don't have pr protective microbes and they're unable to get nutrients on their own without inorganic nitrogen. We're, we're, they're dependent on squirting inorganic nitrogen there into the soil to, to cultivate them. So, um, so as a consequence, you know, our modern hybrid varieties, and this is well known, are really dependent on inorganic nitrogen for cultivation because of the way we bred them and uh, the way we grow them. And really, it wasn't intentional. No, no, not at all. Not at all. Of unintended consequences. Yeah, yeah. Well, if we don't, if we, if we have no concept that these microbes are important, or you know, our concept actually was for many years that microbes are pathogens. They're just yeah, pathogens. Kill we, them. Kill we them get, all. Kill them. Get rid of them. Get rid of them. Exactly. They're only pathogens. 
you know, so all of our money went into studying these diseases of plants and very little. And this is where our ignorance, you know, human ignorance, if you don't know anything, you know, it just doesn't exist. It's not there. You don't look into it. You know, it's not important. It's not important. Hmm. Yeah. So the final, the final connection with all these dots is that uh, these plants just aren't, aren't growing in a field that um, uh, is, is, like you said, somewhat devoid of microbial quantity and quality and diversity. They aren't growing in uh, just because of uh, tillage and, and these kind of things that we're doing to it. And, and, and just for a second, when you think about the soil health principles that, that we talked about there, you know, no tillage or as minimum as possible, keeping the ground covered having a green root growing all the time, diversifying the cover crops and the crop rotations and integrating livestock, all of those five principles right there address and or, or do things to benefit uh, the quantity, quality, and diversity of, of the microbes in the soil to, in order to enable that plant to uh, get the nutrients it needs and identify diseases and resist diseases through the process of the rhizophagy cycle. So... I mean, all of those, putting those best management practices in place, um, really, that we've known, right, uh, for a period of time. Right. Again, you're backfilling that story of this is why all these things that you we've been recommending to do that are good for soil health is because of this yeah. uh, uh, dance that the plants and the microbes make on a minute-by-minute basis. It's... It it's really, that's really correct. I mean, all those principles that were developed based on ex, exper, experiments, essentially uh, experiments growing plants, uh, you know, and farmer experience growing plants, uh, agriculturist experience cultivating plants, uh, they're all sound and uh, they all will maximize really the occurrence of the rhizophagy cycle. You know, add to add to that. You know, don't put fungicides out on your seeds. You know, don't put your fungicides out. Don't don't Honestly, try. To- that that's hard to do. Um, many companies, it's it's standard. You have to special yeah. order yeah. seed anymore without fungicides or without neonicotinoids. Yeah. In order to to do that, because now why would you want to do that? Because all all bugs are bad, and and all all uh, microbes are bad, aren't they? That is that is the that idea, right? right? That's the idea. That's the idea that you want those microbes gone. It's also better living through chemistry, you know. We've been doing that for a hundred years, right? <laughs> <laughs> At least. Yeah. Well yeah, but it's 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 I think it fails to recognize that there is an ecology there. It's a total ignorance of the ecology really. It's you know the assumption the assumption that there's nothing good or important going on with plants and these microbes and when the the reality is totally the opposite and uh, the the plants actually rely on these microbes to trigger their own development I mean it's like that I mean we've seen we've seen where uh, if you take the microbes away germinate a seed with no microbes the roots don't grow down in some cases, and normal roots will grow down into the soil, but in, with, with no microbes, those roots will lay on top of the soil, or, and in some cases, they just stick in the air. Roots go in the air, totally the opposite of the way they're supposed to do. And, of course, there's no root hairs, no root hairs form. So the, 
plants really rely on those microbes to trigger their development. Plants cannot do without these microbes. They don't even develop properly without the microbes. And that's my that's my point. Those microbes must be there for for development, for disease protection, for nutrient acquisition, for stress management, increased stress tolerance, and so forth. So the microbes are really essential for the plants. And hence, you know, the plant microbiome is essential for a healthy plant. Plant microbiome, but we're also talking about the soil microbiome now. It's essential for a healthy plant. Yeah. I think, um, uh, let's relate this to how it affects people. Um, and I think one of, one of the things that's really popular today in ag tech is, um, uh, vertical farming, which is, uh, you know, basically warehouse hydroponics locally for local distribution and, and those kind of things. Um, what kind of concerns do you have when you have soilless systems with, um, you know, basically an aeroponic or hydroponic uh, root bath solution? What are we changing in how that uh, rhizophagy cycle works uh, in there? And then secondly, uh, you know, when we're doing management practices out in the field, we're growing uh, a crop that's going to be fed to an animal or, or fed to a person. Um, even in soil systems, as we look at our management practices and, and how we do things as farmers, um, what kind of impact can we have on, on, on human lives? So I know those are two, two big questions and, and, and two kind of diverse questions there, but I really want to relate it to, to human health because Sometimes I think as farmers, we, we get so focused on growing tons and, and maybe some quality parameters on specialty crops, but it's all about the yield. Um, and I think uh, some of the down, we've, we've detached ourselves from the, uh, the people who are uh, consuming these products and what that can mean and the changes in the biome and, and those kind of things. So I'll, I'll let you, you take it away there and, 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 and um, let you know. Let us know what you what you've seen from science, and also what maybe you can speculate from, uh, based on on some of those um, uh, solid science findings. Okay, for the first question, uh, they were easy ones, Jim. So you know, I, I tried to keep them real easy and, and okay, real light. Easy. That's good. That's good. Thank you. Thank you, Monte. I really appreciate that. That's <laughs> what I need. Easy questions. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so the first one regarding uh, hydroponic systems, you know, the issue I have with hydroponic systems, you know, one, plants, at least most plants are not evolved for, you know, growing in hydroponic system, growing in water like that. Um, you know, although there are some that will, that can adapt to that. I've seen grasses that can do that. Uh, but, you know, that's a minor point. The major point is that with flowing of water across the roots or a nutrient solution across the roots, uh, what happens is the microbes are essentially washed away. So they can't really come back, you know, carrying nutrients to the, to the plant. Uh, the, other, the other issue is um, plants... They're typically, in these hydroponic systems, nutrients or inorganic nutrients are included in the, in the liquid, in the medium that flows. That actually uh, suppresses 
a normal activity of the microbes to, for example, some of them are, are nitrogen fixtures, so they can fix nitrogen from the air. So with this or inorganic nitrogen in the in the so in the water uh, around the microbe, they don't fix. So there's, there's no nitrogen fixation occurring. So you don't take advantage of that nitrogen fixation process. The other issue that I have is that, uh, which is you know we humans are uh, modern modern humans are very prone to thinking we know everything about it, what the plant needs, right? And so we put in a mix of chemicals in this fertilizers, but we may be missing out on some things that aren't, that aren't there. Uh, one thing that we're doing uh, in hydroponically is we're, uh, we're not relying on the endophytic microbes that don't, probably don't enter as readily and, and aren't, aren't, aren't carrying nutrients back, but that also means they're less oxidatively stress tolerant. So those plants are more vulnerable to disease. Um, and they may not have as many, uh, for example, with, no, with fewer microbes, they may produce fewer antioxidants inside the plant. So they may not, this goes to the second question, they may not be as healthy as plants with full set of microbes in them. Because uh, what, what happens is when the plants are responding to the presence of the microbes, they're producing uh, various kinds of chemicals that are very helpful to humans. You know, these antioxidants, for example. Uh, there may be other chemicals. If we've got a healthy plant growing in a healthy soil, they're going to have different uh, different chemistry. Uh, they're going to they're going to those microbes are going to be carrying different things back to the plant. Uh, they're going to be more resistant uh, to disease, but they'll also be more healthful, more healthful compounds. And now, you know, while we don't have a lot of, of experiments looking at that specifically, um, we do know that the presence of the microbe affects the chemical compounds in the in the plant in the fruits whatever we're eating of the plant you know so i think i think there is a correlation between healthy plant and uh health qualities for people who consume that plant so people do benefit directly you know we may need more research to explore that connection but uh, it's logical, and uh, you know everything that I know from the literature suggests that that is the case. The other issue is the human the human microbiome actually comes from things we eat. Okay, for example, if you look at uh, at uh, uh, forest dwellers, primitive peoples who eat all kinds of things in the forest, all kinds of foods in the forest, uh, lots of different kinds of plants, probably less cooked even. Their gut microbiomes are much more complex than modern humans, where we're, where we're not eating, not consuming as much. And, uh, you know, the, the lower diversity in our gut microbiomes means that uh, we may be more susceptible to diseases like Crohn's disease and IBD and other other kinds of diseases uh, or health problems uh, like diabetes and diabetes syndrome.
Um, so eating foods that plant foods that contain more diverse microbes uh, can increase our own gut microbial diversity, which, which uh, w may have benefits for human health. It's all connected, isn't it? I think so. I think it really is all connected. Yeah. And, and, and really, as farmers, we have a great responsibility to be aware of that connection and, and to do the best that we can to create, you know, a microbial diverse, uh, microbially uh, beneficial uh, food for livestock or, or, or people uh, to enjoy. So it's... Um, it, it, it's it's fascinating. I um, I, I so <clears throat> appreciated. Um, you know, I first ran across the the paper and and contacted you, and I, I so appreciated you being willing to come to Ag Emerge in in Monterey uh, this year. It was uh, it was great to 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 hear you speak, and you opened the minds of of a lot of people. You know who were there, and um, I hope this podcast will will do the same as we continue. And I, I suspect. Uh, we're going to have you back sometime in the future, if that's okay with you. Oh, I'd love to come. I, I really appreciate that uh, you guys were interested in what I had to talk about and uh, what we were studying here at Rutgers. So very, very important that you're interested in this work to me. What are some, um, what are some things that at Ag Emerge as you connected with, with other people who were there? I mean, first off, when you're coming, you probably didn't know what to expect because, uh, quite frankly, we had, it was our first one. So, uh, a lot of people didn't know what to expect, but, uh, when you were there and, and, uh, as you, as you, um, have, you know, been back, uh, at, at work here, what are, what are some of the things that have, have impacted you or, uh, personally, professionally with some of the relationships that you, that you started there? Well, what, what strikes me, what struck me was the amount of people who were really interested in this regenerative agriculture. And, you know, I hadn't thought much about regenerative agriculture uh, before. Uh, and I, I actually came to understand uh, why you and the other agriculturists there were interested in the rise of Fiji cycle. So, uh, to me, I came to a better understanding at how this work that we're doing fits in with the philosophy and the practice of regenerative agriculture. That's, that's a big thing. And, uh, you know, I've, I've been, you know, since coming, since going to the AgEmerge meeting, you know, there's been a number of other uh, invitations that I've had to talk about uh, rhizophagy cycle and the importance of microbes and I'm you know I I really lean lean on the understanding that I got at the Ag Emerge meeting uh, visiting with the agriculturists and the other scientists there you know to try to inform what I how I how I talk about the rhizophagy cycle so I mean to me it it was an it was a excellent venue uh, to uh, Get a bigger picture of you know what we're working on. Get the bigger picture and how it fits into to regenerative agriculture. 
Well, I, I congratulate you on, on all your work that you and your team and, and students have done there over the years to, to discover these things. And uh, I know sometimes that it can, you wonder what, who's going to benefit from it? You know, all, all this hard work for, 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 for what? And um, hopefully getting, getting plugged in there at Ag Emerge and all these, and the follow-ups that you've had that realize that um, it, it, it's the right thing at the right time that, that, that we need now. Uh, a better understanding of, you know, uh, as we get into not only are we doing uh, trans, you know, genetic modification today, but uh, the technologies for gene editing and microbial editing and all all these things um, that are coming in the future, the unintended consequences uh, uh, um, could could be challenging without understanding uh, the basics of this um, rhizophagy cycle, the the, the plant uh, microbial interaction, and um, hopefully we can get that message out there and get your research out there to where uh, that is understood, to where the decisions that are being made uh, uh, to to modify things keep that in mind, and um, so that we don't suffer unintended consequences. Well, I really appreciate your efforts to help get the message out. Really appreciate that. Well, I, um, I look forward to staying in touch with you and, and I hope that, uh, as, as time allows for you, um, if you, you can be a part of the Ag Emerge community on the, on the website there and, and, and chime in with, you know, later, um, discoveries or understandings or, or thoughts that you might have on a, on an occasional basis and, and, uh, invitations open to, to come back, uh, in the future. Um, you know, if, uh, we can uh, keep keep abreast of what's going on with you and your research. Uh, anything else that you'd like to share with us at this time that uh, that you've got coming up, or or um, anything that I should have asked that I probably didn't? No, I think you were very thorough. You know, I I'm very impressed as usual, Monte. Yeah, very impressed. I appreciate the compliments, but I, I think um, there's there's a, a lot of farmers and a lot of entrepreneurs like me who are, um, you know, really keen on wanting to do the right thing. And uh, we really appreciate the work that you've done to help us know what that right thing is. So really appreciate everything. Thank you, Monty. Well, we really appreciate Jim's time and, and teaching skills, explaining a concept that can be pretty, pretty in-depth, and he's done a great job of, of explaining how those things work to where we can understand it and apply it to our, our farms and our future. Uh, Jim's very complimentary. I appreciate that, uh, but uh, it takes all of us to make these things happen, and your Ag Solutions Network member is the boots on the ground that helps to identify those functions that are going on in the soil. When he recommends ignition, accelerate, and rev up on seed, there's a reason for that. Those products are developed in order to encourage microbial activity, encourage root proliferation, and improve nutrient uptake, but help to select for beneficial microbes that are going to influence the plant as it develops through its life cycle. Oftentimes, in many different crops across the country, we've seen what we do at starting that plant affects the plant throughout its entire life through harvest and can even affect how that plant and residues decompose over the following winter. So it's pretty fascinating how one little change at the beginning or the inception of the plant's life can have a profound impact on its entire life cycle. 
One other thing I alluded to at the beginning of the episode is that Dr. White and I had an interesting offline conversation just to take these things a little bit further and what the implications could be. And I'm saving that for our Ag Emerge community. The Ag Emerge community is a private uh, website and forum just for people who have attended the Ag Emerge event in Monterey in 2019. So up to this point, it's only been available for those who are part of the conference, and there's some interesting discussions that happen online there, interesting sharing, and a way to continue the collaboration and all of the excitement that was generated at our event. So rather than just a mountaintop experience, we can have a daily uh, interaction and conversations to keep the ball moving forward. And I think you'll find this uh, short little uh, before our episode conversation really looking at the implications of the roles of plants and microbes to be truly fascinating. So I hope you'll join us in the Ag Emerge community to listen to our conversation and what that was all about. So what we decided is the Ag Emerge uh, event that happens once a year is great, but wouldn't it be great if we could allow others to connect with our community without having the, the time and travel related to coming to the main event? So we've done that, and I'm happy to announce that we're making available for now anyone who is interested, the Ag Emerge community, for a subscription basis. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask Kim. She's going to come online here and describe all the details of what the Ag Emerge community is about, uh, what the investment is for that, and what are some of the things that you can expect by being a part of the Ag Emerge community. So thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Ag Emerge podcast. I hope that you uh, find it interesting and it opens your mind to just what some of the possibilities are and what the future hope is in agriculture. I'm Monty Bottens. Thanks for listening. Now over to Kim. Thanks, Monty. We're excited to announce this new subscription offer to join the Ag Emerge community. It's a great opportunity to connect with people who are moving the needle on emerging ideas and technology in agriculture. Join the discussion with attendees from the Ag Emerge Conference, as well as having access to the wealth of videos from all of the speakers at Ag Emerge 2019. Head on over to agemerge.com and check out the subscription opportunity. And as always, stay tuned as we continue to bring you discussions with emerging thought leaders and entrepreneurs about how they are solving some of the most significant challenges in agriculture. <laughs>